your Locked On Canadiens, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 523 of Locked on Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day. We are free and available on all podcasting networks. And thank you for bearing with us as we missed Monday's episode. I was uh, not quite up to recording Sunday after the Bills game. So I am uh, I am making it up today here on Tuesday. We do have plenty of Montreal Canadiens news and chief among that, the Canadians played, and I'm going to use the word Canadians in quotation marks, uh, very lightly there as what's left of the team took on the Florida Panthers. And it's, uh, I got to be real honest, it's uh, it, it's not a game that should have been played. They played with 11 forwards and five defensemen, finished the game with 10 forwards after Cedric Paquette left with what uh, Dominique Ducharme is calling a neck injury, not a concussion. After he was hit by Sam Bennett early in the game, and Sam Bennett was handed a three-game suspension for that hit, and somehow it was not called a penalty during the game, and that's, well, we all know how I feel about the Department of Player Safety and everything, but the Canadians themselves, well, well, they tried valiantly, I'll give them that much. They led in that game, they battled back. Uh, they scored two goals. They lost 5-2, but this is a lineup that was playing with Cam Hillis on the first power play wave coming from ECHL Trois-Rivières to the Canadians' power play in this span of a week. They're down a defenseman. They are down a forward in this game. They are playing two backup goal, backup to the backups uh, across the board. This is a game that could have been much worse. Because Florida had blown out Tampa Bay 9-3 earlier in the week after Montreal dropped a game 4-0 to Carolina. And to be honest, the fact that it wasn't a blowout is a positive sign. However, I really don't think this is a game that should have been played during any of this. It's the Canadians, I get it, okayed it, or someone said okay. But every tweet I read is that the NHL didn't want to postpone any more games because of the gate revenue and i looked at the attendance in florida watching bits and pieces of this game and i went i don't know how much money you're making off of this this is not a sellout it's not a good canadians team if you're down in florida why are you going to waste your money going to this when you could do anything else right now the habs aren't good and you're not going to see the panthers unless you're a panthers fan and every every bit of it made it seem that the nhl didn't want to cancel this because the canadians are a good gate draw and that doesn't really sit right with me is that you're you're boiling this down to we don't want to lose money on certain teams. It's why you postponed the games in Quebec and now soon to be, I'm sure, Ontario and in Manitoba where there are restrictions in place. And I got to be honest, it, it's an ugly, ghoulish look for the NHL to treat these players as, oh, it's only money. It's fine. It. I don't think that's the way this should be going here is that you have to look at this game and go, is this really what we want? You're going to have an AHL team playing an NHL, a good NHL team, mind you. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's not going to be going fast enough, and they're going to get hurt. And you know what? Guess what? Someone did get hurt. Uh, Cedric Paquette is out. Luckily, 
I, I luckily, I guess I shouldn't say it's not good that anyone is injured ever, but the Canadians are now on a 10 day break, I believe. And before they can even get back into uh, Quebec, I believe there is a quarantining period that they're going to go through. I assume this entire team is positive right now because the way Dominique Ducharme uh, mentioned it in his pregame speeches that, or his postgame, is that they're ripping, this thing is ripping through the room, that there's an outbreak, and that I assume most of the team is going to get it. I mean, most of the team already has gotten it. There's 18 healthy players left on this team and three or four coaches. Everyone else is has COVID or is injured or is in protocol, I should say. And I know they're probably not testing with no games, but until January 6th, all things for the Canadians, Rocket, and I believe the uh, Lions and the ECHL are completely shut down. And it, to me, that points to, well, we knew this was going to happen, so we're preempting whatever comes next. It's such a bad look for the league that you have a team that, yeah, the Canadians are not good this year. That doesn't mean they should be playing with a COVID-riddled lineup. And some people have pointed out that, hey, the Hurricanes had to do this, and the Panthers did this earlier this year, and they couldn't recall anybody. Those teams couldn't recall anybody because they had no cap space for available for them. The Canadians have more cap space than they know what to do with. They just don't have anyone else to recall. They have one player left on an NHL contrast, and, that, and that's Jean-Sebastian D. And there's no way he was going to get to Florida. And beyond that, it's uh, whatever players are on in entry-level contracts. So that's Caden Gooley, that's Jan Meshack, and that's Arbor Jackeye. That's it. There are four people that the Canadians could conceivably recall to this team. And I guess if another goalie went down, there is Joe Verbatic playing uh, for the North Bay Battalion as a goalie as an emergency recall, but that's it. There, there is nobody. I don't think they're going to be able to get Matthias Norlinder over from Sweden. I don't think that they're going to risk preempting someone's college career to try and sign them now. They, I don't think they can. Across the board, you know, it's probably for the best that the NHL did cancel the games they did, which is fine. Add them on to the end of the season or whenever you're going to do that, that's fine. But I look at this and go, you have a team that has literally no one left. You have people around the league going, why is this game happening? No one wants to watch Cam Hillis get bullied by Jonathan Huber, though. No one wants to watch Cedric Paquette play on the power play. No one wants to watch AHL guys get beat up by a good NHL team because the NHL wants to make a little bit of money. You, are you going to pay full price for tickets to see the Canadians and get, I think they had three players left from last season's cup final available in this game? It's no. It's ugly. It's it's unnecessary. It's a game that should not have happened, and I stand by that. And I understand sooner or later people are going to get COVID, and we shouldn't be afraid of that. And I agree. You shouldn't be afraid of COVID, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't use some common sense and realize you're dealing with human beings here. People who go home to their kids, their significant others, or around people, and it's still spreading. Omicron is very spreadable. Look at how quickly it ripped through the Canadians. They went from two positive cases to icing an ECHL team. So it's across the board. The game itself doesn't matter in the end because the fact that the Canadians kept it within three goals is a huge credit to the players who are out there. They tried. They really did. But honestly, you can only do so much when you're up against a team like Florida. That's one of the best in the NHL this year. I still think the NHL should absolutely be ashamed of themselves for allowing this game to happen. I understand Montreal just wanted to get it over with and go home and, you know, go into their 10-day break or whatnot, but it's inexcusable that the NHL is putting 
money over, you know, human lives in this. So I'm sure they're not going to be the last team to do this this year. They're not the first, that's for sure. And I'm hoping that nothing serious more comes out of this. I'm hoping everyone gets healthy soon because I got to be really honest. I am very tired of talking about COVID on this show as much as we have. I'm sure you're probably sick and tired of hearing me listen, talk about it too, but it is what it is. It's the dominant storyline. And speaking of storylines, Jeff Gordon is beginning his general manager search this week. He's going to the U.S. to check out some prospects south of the border. And we have so much more on that coming up next. But first, if you're like me, have you got a beard? You got to get primal. You heard me right. You got a nice full beard. Get primal, folks. If you or someone that you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're that guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product. Primal Origin Oils will help stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed. The products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet. Primal Origin Oils makes balms, oils, and whip butter that are renowned for the, as the best feel in beard products available. All products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the United States, and they make combo kits so there is something for everybody. I got the beard oil. I got the Northman. I love putting it in right after I get out of the shower, massage that in there. Beard smells amazing. It's nice. It's soft. And it helped, it helped it grow in real nice as we hit these winter months here in uh, Western New York. Girlfriend loves it too. Always a bonus. And now we know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and the feel in your beard to the other products you've used. We promise you will see and feel the difference. Remember, the code LOCKEDON gets you 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 20% off. So with the new year having come around, having Christmas having passed, the news we all got on Monday from Renaud Lavoie and a bunch of other Canadians beat reporters is that Jeff Gordon is starting virtual interviews this week. Obviously, COVID and rules across Canada have put a damper on what I assume were, would have been many in-person interviews, especially in the Montreal area. But exercising safety isn't a bad idea with all things considered. And he's also going to be heading to the United States to meet with some prospects, as they said, south of the border, obviously, which means to me, he's probably heading to the NCAA and checking in with a bunch of players there. And my first thought is I want to touch base on the... GM search because there was a very interesting tweet that I saw earlier uh, from Pierre Lebrun on January 2nd. Hearing the Montreal Canadiens have begun reaching out to teams, asking permission to speak with GM candidates, believe they've done so with the likes of Roberto Luongo, Daniel Briere, and Matthew Darsh, among others. Obviously a ways to go, but the process has started. That was yesterday, Jan or two days ago, when you're hearing this, January 2nd. And this is the first time we've heard Roberto Luongo's name mentioned in earnest. And I actually think that's a very fun and interesting name to have in there is that Luongo is a lot like a Briere in that he's learning the trade there. He is the GM of Team Canada. He obviously helped put that together before. Obviously, they had to pull out of the Olympics. He's from Montreal. He knows the market. And honestly, Roberto Luongo as Montreal Canadiens GM is such a fascinating idea because of how Luongo's personality is. He might be the first uh, general manager in history whose uh, Twitter profile is a silhouette of them on a toilet. So I don't I don't know if that would stay forever, but I love the idea of that. And uh, Matthew Darsh and Daniel Briere are two names that we've heard mentioned time and time again. And obviously the ones that we mentioned last week, 
the play, the um, agents and such that they were also talking to. Luongo is the first name that has popped up as a surprise. And Jared Book pointed this out in November, but uh, Daniel Doe, uh, who worked with uh, Jeff Gordon in a couple of different locations, is also considered to be in the running or among those. So that's a very good call by my Eyes on the Prize colleague there. And I'm very interested to see how these things go, who they reach out for, because I'm sure that the Canadians, if they get turned down, might not broadcast that. But I do think that there are teams that be like, oh, well, yes, they'll tell their beats or whatever that so-and-so wanted to talk to, you know, the AGM, the player development coach or something similar and fill in things. Because here's the thing, the Canadians aren't just filling in a general manager role. They need an assistant general manager. They got to refill some of that front office staff there in a lot of different places because Scott Mellenby also left. Trevor Timmons was also fired. There's a lot that needs to change now. And it's not just going to be the GM, but that is what everyone's honing in on. And with Gordon kind of at the helm here, I'm very curious to see how outside the box they think with this. And I'm very, very excited for that. Um, it, It shows that they're at least trying something new. It's not retread gms or candidates or anything like that there's new names in there and i don't know how good of a gm roberto luongo is picking team canada is anyone can pick team canada and probably win a gold medal for being fully honest here because it's team canada but at the same time he's an interesting name out there and obviously we've talked about the other candidates before and as for gordon heading to the u.s to check out players and prospects my big thing for this is I'm hoping his first stop is going into Massachusetts, going to Northeastern, an area he's very familiar with, and checking in and touching base with Jordan Harris, a, a name that you know Canadians fans thought he might sign over the summer, and he opted to go back to college, and then Mark Bergevin kind of quit on his, uh, his press to sign him, saying, well, if he wants to go elsewhere, we're going to let him. I don't think Gordon's going to let that, let that happen. He... Jeff Gordon acquired Adam Fox when he was in New York, and he knows how good a solid NCAA defenseman can turn out, especially one who's playing in a very strong conference. Hockey East is no joke. Even if your team isn't great, uh, Hockey East is always a battle. And when he's there, he's got four teams he can check out. He can go, or four players he can go check out. Luke Tucks at Boston. He has Jaden Struble and Jordan Harris there at Northeastern and Sean Farrell's at Harvard University playing forward. And I think that's going to be his first stop. It's obviously not a far drive to Boston. And then I don't know what his plan is, but if he heads out to the Midwest, there's a couple guys playing out in Minnesota as well. But the biggest thing for me is I think Jeff Gordon is going to talk with Jordan Harris and try to bring him back into the fold. I know Harris is probably a little bit put off by the way Mark Bergman handled things, but I think Jeff Gordon is going to take this in a different direction. I think he knows, like I said, the value of that. And I wouldn't be shocked if Gordon tries to get both Northeastern guys signed after this year. I think there's a lot of promise in there. I think Struble needs a little bit of AHL time more so than Harris does. And I do think Harris himself can become a very good NHL defenseman. He's not going to be flashy, but I think he can be a pretty solid, you know, four, five, six guy in a lineup. And the Canadians, quite frankly, need a stable presence for that right now. They're rotating through guys due to COVID and everything else right now. And I think he has the absolute ability to make the most of that. So we'll see that Jeff Gordon is there and they're going to be talking and it's like, oh, so-and-so is in the house watching this game because that's, you know, how it works. So 
And I'm trying to take a look at the schedule here to see who Northeastern might be playing this week. Let's take a look here. They are playing this week. They are at Providence. Oh, that's December. They are home versus Long Island on January 7th and 8th. So Friday and Saturday this week. That should be a pretty big win for um, Northeastern, but it's a game where guys like Struble and a guy like Harris should be shining the most. So we'll obviously keep you in the know as we get more interview news and so much more. And that, folks, wraps up the news segment. And it is Monday. Well, it's Tuesday, actually. It's our first episode of the week. And that's going to be three up, three down coming up next. It is our first episode of the week. It is not Monday. I promise you that. Um, However, it is our first show. That means it's time for three up, three down, where we list our three things that we saw on the upside this week inside the organization and our three down that we saw in the organization this week. And I'm going to be honest. My three up is anyone who played any of those games this week where an AHL squad is out there trying their absolute best. So Raphael Harvey Pinard, Corey Schooneman, both got their first NHL points. Um, Cal Clay got his first NHL goal. I think looking at these AHL guys coming up and playing the way that they have is these guys coming up and having to play in a game where it's clearly well above where they should be right now. It's impressive. The effort was there. We've talked about it with Michael Pizzetta all season that they're trying um, a special shout out. Lucas Vedemo, I thought has played extremely well going from being kind of an afterthought to an NHL bottom sixer to being on the penalty kill and doing so much more. It's a huge, huge responsibility and it doesn't look like it's phased him at all. Uh, my second up goes to Sammy Niku. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of Niku because he got hurt in the preseason on a hit that wasn't called. Um, missed time with COVID and has been in and out of the lineup nursing various injuries. And I thought that when he's been back in the lineup, he's looked really good on the blue line right now. And I think it's impressive what he's been able to do. I know that the team itself is just not great. We we've we know that already. But Niku's out there making plays happen and he has some flash to him and he's something I want to see more of, honestly, out there right now. I, I'm really proud of watching the way that he plays because I see why he won AHL Defenseman of the Year. I see why Jets fans are annoyed that it didn't work out in Winnipeg. I look at him and I go, this is the guy you keep around. Even if he's your sixth defenseman, there's some sizzle and some flash there and some promise that I think is very good. And honestly, I'm I'm about that. In a season like this, you are assessing for next year now. And guys like Niku and Vedemo are giving you a reason to keep them around right now. And I think that's really important. And my last up of the week is going to go to Jonathan Drouin. I know that everyone loves to pile on him, that he looks disinterested or not playing well enough. Jonathan Drouin in this season, I think, has been the best we've seen him in a long time. And yes, the team isn't great. And we have Leaf fans pointing out that, oh, our like seventh best score would be outscoring the Habs best score. It's like, congratulations, Jonathan Drouin's playing with AHLers, Samuel Montembeau's in net. They have five defensemen and their coach isn't very good. What do you want from him? He's out there trying. He's making things happen. He played so much on the penalty kill against Florida because... They had no choice, and I got to be honest, he's showing a lot of leadership qualities. I'm not saying to give him the captaincy or anything, but he's playing about as well as you could hope to in this situation, and I think he's trying his best to keep this team going. You know, They're down all of their leadership core. They have David Savard left from the beginning of the season, and that's it. 
Gallagher's injured. Petrie's injured. Byron's injured. Weber's likely done for his career. Carey Price hasn't played this year. There isn't much you can do. And then Jonathan Drouin stepping in, and he's trying his best to lead this team as best as he can. And he's putting up points in these games. He's out there. He's making an effort. If you're going to willingly ignore that, it's just a lazy narrative you're trying to push, to be honest. And I'm not about that. I'm going to give the guy props. He deserves it. He's played extremely well right now. And given this situation, I can't think of many players in the NHL who would be able to turn it around. I'm not saying Drew Ann is, but he's put in almost no-win situation here. And as for the down, the NHL's response to COVID just entirely is just down, 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 down. It's We talked about it in the first segment. I, I don't like watching a league make choices based off of money only. The players are in debt to the owners. That sucks. The players want to get out of debt, which I get, understandably so. It's just like, guys, these are human beings with families and lives, and you're forcing them to play a game in South Florida against like 10,000 people in attendance. Like, what are we doing here? What are we actually doing here? Like, it's it's ugly. It's dumb, and it's stupid, and I'm just not a fan of it. Um Outside of that, I mean, there's not much else you can say. The Rocket haven't played in almost two weeks. They're not going to play until January. The Lions are on pause, and the Canadians are on pause for at least another week or so until they reopen their facilities. It's across the board. It's a very quiet time for Canadians fans. And there's not even World Juniors to kind of – no. There's no World Juniors to kind of take your mind off it either because that was canceled due to COVID as well. Across the board, it's a a quiet time – in Montreal, that's also one of the most important as Gordon begins his interviews and everything else. So it's a little bit shorter, three up, three down this week. Obviously, without real games to talk about, there's not much to put on the downswing of things. Um, we will be back with a new episode on Wednesday morning. Also this week, I am guest hosting on the Crosscheck podcast. That'll be coming out Thursday. I will be filling in for good friend Andrew Berkshire and filling in alongside Mary Clark. So you're going to want to check out Crosscheck NHL. Trust me, great show. Going to have a ton of fun doing that. Laura will be back soon. We have so much more to talk about in the near future, I am sure. As always, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every single day of the week. You can find us wherever you get your daily podcast. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. Myself at Scott Matla. Laura at The Active Stick. Thank you so much for listening. And if you liked our show, please check out Lockdown Bets, where Lee Sterling and your boy Q have all the information you need to absolutely dominate your betting lines, folks. Check them out. They are free and available wherever you get your podcasts.